Awesome. So I kind of want to continue on with what Keith's been talking about over the last uh, probably month or so uh, on, on the Sunday mornings to do with the covenant promises of God and how we as believers now are connected to the covenant promise. That there are promises that God made and declared over his people in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, that we now by adoption through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, are, um, uh, we have inherited the covenant promises that God made with his people, right? And, and when God made this covenant with his people and made these promises, there were certain requirements that God expected of his people to fulfill their part and their role in the covenant. Because the way a covenant works is it is an agreement between two parties, an agreement between two sides. And, and, and one side isn't going to come to the party if the other side's not doing what they're supposed to do. So the, 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 the covenant promises of God uh, require us to do what he's asked us to do. It's kind of like you go to uh, build a house. I know there's a few guys going through the process at the moment. It can be a real pain in the butt, right? Because you, you amen, Rushi knows exactly what's going on. Be, because you, you have to enter into an agreement, right, with the building company who are going to build your house and, and, and do all that sort of stuff. But they're not going to do anything until they get the money. So then you've got to go to the bank and you've got to enter into a covenant with the bank to be able to do the covenant with the building company. And it's just this big mess. And, and the building company will not start building your house until they see that you've fulfilled their part and the bank's going to come to the party and give them money. It's like without two sides coming to the party, no house gets built. And it's kind of like that with the covenant promises between us and God. If we don't come to the party, if we're not obedient, if we do not do what is required of us, then the promises that the covenant speaks about won't come our way. And see, we, we, need, to, we need to remember that, that the love of God is unbiased and unconditional. So regardless of our response to the covenant uh, and our obedience to the covenant, God's love for us never changes. So you, you, you don't need to worry about that. God's love is always over you. God's love is always towards you. That, that never moves, that never falters, that never alters. But the promises of the covenant, the blessing, the favor, the abundance, God says, I'm going to, you know, you, you, you stand up on the mountain, look at these lands and everything you see is yours, is what he said to the people of Israel, right? And, and that was part of the promise, but it required their obedience to the things that he said. So for our connection to the covenant God made with us, he requires our obedience. Right? For our connection to the covenant God made with us, he requires our obedience. And it's our obedience to his word and to his will. Our obedience to his word and his will. These two things, we need to understand that God's word and God's will are both divine in nature. Right, the, 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 these are parts of the divine nature and divine aspects of God. We know that the Word teaches us in uh, in, in John chapter one that the Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and walked among us. So the word and the will of God are divine in nature. They are not things that are bound up in the earth. They are not natural things that are a part of the, 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 the world that, that we all live in. They are divine in nature. And that's what God requires our obedience to, not to the world and not to something that is natural and not to something that, that we can just see with our eyes before us every day, but he requires our obedience to the divine and to the supernatural, to his word and to his will. Right? He's calling us to be obedient to these spiritual things and these spiritual 
principles. And it's, an important, it's important that, that we make this distinction because the Word of God is quite clear that we are not to become bound to or controlled by anything that is of this world. We're not, we're not called to get tied up or fall in love with the things of this world. We're, we're, we're called and saved to be tied up and bound to the Word of God and God's will for our lives, divine things, not earthly things. And see, it's a distinction that, that, that I believe it's important that we understand. We are not bound to or, or, or to be under the obedience to anything that is of the world, but to the things that are divine in nature that God himself has given and gifted to us. Right? We're not to be in love with anything that is of the natural world, but the things that are divine that God has put in place. Right? And now a big part of our obedience, right? and you could even say that it is the most important part uh, when, when concerning our salvation and, and our connection to, to Jesus and therefore to God's covenant, is that we be faithful in admitting to and confessing our sins, admitting to and confessing our moral failures, the, the, the things that we do that are not in obedience to his word, the things that we do that cause us to fall short of the glory of God. Our, our willingness to be obedient to this and confess our sins Right, gives us connection to Jesus because he was a sacrifice for our sins and therefore gives us connection with the covenant promises of God that he has made over us. So we could say that, 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 that this is the most important aspect, right? so that we can find forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for us, obedience. And so which brings us to uh, the verse that, a few verses that I want to share with you today found in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And yes, Keith did preach out of this last week, but as I said, it was just a warm-up for what God's going to do today. So it's all good. So 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so this is pretty confronting. Like John's just coming out with it here. If you deny the fact that you have sin in your life, if, if you want to pretend that you don't have sin in your life and that you don't make mistakes and that you actually do fall short of the best that God has to you and, and, and we do fall short of being holy, though scripture calls us to try and be holy, it, it, if, if we fail to admit or are not willing to admit that despite that we still fall short, we're actually calling God a liar and his truth is not in us. Right, If we say that we haven't sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, if we confess our sins, 
You see, for, for, and, and most of us know this, right? For, for Jesus, the sacrifice on the cross was a one-time event. Right? It's not that Jesus has to go through that again every time that we make a mistake. And so we don't need to worry that every time we make a mistake, if we confess it, we're putting him back up there because it doesn't work like that. It was a one-time event that Jesus had to go through to cleanse all the world, all the generations of all sin that had ever been committed and that was going to be committed. It was this one-time thing that Jesus had to go through. He, he died one time for all sin. And so when we accept Christ and confess him as our Lord and Savior, this is a one-time thing. Okay? This is a one-time thing where we accept him. We don't need to re-accept Christ every time that we fall short. Because when we accept him, we are accepted into his family. And he doesn't cast out his family. So when we accept Christ, you, you, you are accepted, right? And you were cleansed. That is a one-time thing. You don't need to re-accept Jesus every time we fall short, okay? And so here's something that, 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 that we need to grasp, and I believe this is important. When we make that declaration and accept Christ, when, when we accept Jesus, our spirit is saved, okay? Our spirit is cleansed from sin, and when we die and leave this earth, whenever that, that day will come, it is our spirit that will enter into eternity in heaven with God. Okay? It is our spirit. It's not this physical fleshly body that you and I inhabit right now. It is our spirit that is cleansed, our spirit that is saved, and our spirit that enters into the eternal glory with God when we leave this earth. Okay? But while we remain on earth, until the day we're taken by him, our flesh and these physical bodies still exist in a world that is filled with sin. Still exist in a world that the enemy has influence in. right? And there's things that surround us every single day, if not every single moment of our lives, there's so much in the world that the enemy uses right, to distract us as believers from the promises of God and the covenant promises of God and the good things that God wants to do in our lives that, 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 that he uses to try and cause us to believe that because we still see these things or because we still partake in these things sometimes, even though we don't want to, that that cuts us off from God, but that's not the case because your spirit has been saved. But our fleshly bodies remain in this physical world that is filled with sin. And so simply by being in this world and being surrounded by temptation and being surrounded by the works of the enemy, our physical selves are still prone to sin. Okay, spirit saved, physical body still prone to sin. Because we're surrounded by it. It's, it's everywhere that you look. It's a majority of conversations that you're going to have with people who aren't in church. Unfortunately, it's a lot of conversations that we even have with people in church sometimes because we live in a fallen world. And that's not having a dig at anybody because that's for all of us, right? We all fall short of the glory of God and that's in his word and his word is divine and his word is truth. So if it says it, we need to believe it, right? We all fall short of this, but spirit saved. Spirit saved, physical body, surrounded by sin, surrounded by temptation. It's not something that only a few of us 
will face, but it is all of us. And we will continue to sin. We will continue to fall short of the glory of God as much as we would love to believe that we won't, as much as we may want to honour God with every part of our being and, 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 and as much as we want to serve him and make his name known and make his kingdom known in all the world and to all the people that we come into contact with, even, even if that is the desire of your heart, the truth is you will still sin and you will still fall short of the glory of God because of the world that we live in. But spirit saved. Okay. We cannot get to the point or, or fall into the trap of the enemy that, that we begin to believe, first of all, that we have no sin because the scripture we read says that if we do that, we're calling God a liar. So we cannot fall into the trap and believe that simply because I've been saved and my spirit is saved that I no longer sin and that I no longer fall short because we're surrounded by it. Okay? And secondly, that we no longer need to confess that sin. We can't fall into that trap. We can't fall into that mindset. Yes, when we accept Christ and and our spirit is saved, we are cleansed from all sin, right? But when we're living in it and when we're surrounded by it and and when we know that we've done something wrong, when we know that we've made a mistake, whether it be big or small, the scriptures tell us that we need to confess it to God. We need to confess it to God. We can't hold on to it and we can't believe that we no longer need to do that because I've accepted Christ. Yeah, but your, your physical self, right, which entails your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, all the stuff that you experience here on earth can become tainted by sin and darkness because we're surrounded by it. And so we need to confess our sins to continue to cleanse ourselves so that we can experience the covenant promises of God. Okay? Because spirit is saved, so that's the eternal thing, but there's promises in God's covenant that are for the here and now. There's things that that his desire is that we experience here and now on earth, that we have abundance, that we are blessed, that we are favoured, that that, that he will bless the works of our hands. I mean, there's so many. I I could name heaps, right? But these are covenant promises for the here and now, for this world that we live in, that are tied to our obedience to the divine word and the divine will of God, which means that we need to confess these sins and these things that we hold on to, right? Right? And so verse 9 again of what we read, uh, 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the if is important because that if is our obedience. Because without that if, we haven't done what we were required to do. The if is our obedience to the covenant of God that opens us up to the blessing and the favor that he has for us. So I, I want to share with you now a statement um, that I've been making uh, pretty much since the start of the year over in, in Cobram. Uh, most weeks we, we've I brought this into it somehow because I believe that there's incredible truth in it for all of us. So I, I want to share it with, with you guys today. So becoming established 
and living in the blessings of God and functioning in the gifts of the Spirit does not come without a genuine attempt on our behalf to live a life that is holy and righteous. I'm going to say that again. Becoming established and living in the blessings of God and and functioning in the gifts of the Spirit does not come without a genuine attempt on our behalf to live a life that is holy and righteous. A genuine attempt. Doesn't mean perfection, right? Because we know that that's not possible. But a genuine attempt on our behalf to live a life that is holy and righteous, which is also continuing to be obedient to the covenant and confessing our sins when we know we need to, right? Or a genuine attempt at obedience to the covenant God has made with us. We could say it like that as well. Without a genuine attempt at obedience to the covenant that God has put in place with us, we will not experience the blessings and the favor, nor the spiritual things and the gifts that we long to see, right? The healings, the, the miracles, the even salvation, right? The, the, the greatest miracle, I, I believe. And, and you know, we, we all want to see physical healings manifest before us, right? We, we all want to see that. But the greatest miracle, I, I believe, is, is salvation itself. Because it, it's, remember, it's divine. It's the divine nature and the divine will of God that, that brings salvation. I think that's just the greatest miracle, that, that we who were once dead are now brought back to life and our spirit is saved eternally. Man, that miracle, that, that's, that's incredible. Okay? So here's the thing. Sometimes we feel as if we should no longer be sinning because the enemy wants us to believe that every sin, every mistake you make now means that you need to reconfess yourself to Christ and you need to do all that sort of stuff. And he makes us believe like the very act of doing that means that we've failed. But actually the very act of doing that means that we're being obedient to the word of God that he says. And see, this is where the enemy gets us. He, he, he takes the word and turns it around and makes us, tries to make us believe that the opposite is true. The enemy says you can't go to God and confess because you've stuffed up and and he'll know that you've sinned and he'll know that you made a mistake and and, and he'll take from you the blessings and the favor. Whereas God's word says, no, no, if you bring me those things and if you confess me those things, then my blessing and my favor and my abundance will come to you. You see what the enemy does? He takes the truth because he knows it. Scripture says that, that he knows it and he twists it and he turns it and tries to make us believe the opposite of what the word of God actually says. Right? And so sometimes we feel as if we should no longer be sinning. And in a perfect world, that would be the case. Right? In the perfect world. But we do not yet live in the perfect world. And our flesh is still prone and even drawn to sin as much as we wish that that were not true. You know, we're, we're, we're still drawn to it. Like, like I said, it doesn't matter how passionate you are for the things of God. Your flesh is still drawn to sinful things. And it sucks, and I wish it wasn't true, but it—it's just the way it is. Okay, so I want—I want you to to listen to this this conversation with me that Jesus has uh, with his disciples in John chapter thirteen, uh, from verse five through ten. We're going to read, and so this is Jesus has just uh, eaten with his disciples. They've had a meal together. They're, they're, they're talking, and then we take off here. So. 
uh, John chapter 13, verse 5 to 10, says that after that, he poured water into a basin. This is Jesus. He poured water into a, ba- into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if you do not wash, you have no part with me. And then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And now listen to Jesus' response to this comment from Peter. Lord, wash every part of me. Listen to what Jesus says. This is, I read this a couple of weeks ago, and this, I've read it before, but this just jumped out at me, right? Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. Or he who is cleansed needs only to wash his feet. And see, this is, this, is, this is incredibly interesting. He who is bathed or cleansed needs only to wash his feet. Jesus is teaching his disciples, right, and, 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 and us, right, that those who have been cleansed and who have accepted the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word, of who Jesus is as our sacrifice, as our saviour, those who have accepted, those who have already been cleansed, those who have already been bathed, uh, in, in, in the blood of Jesus because of what he did on the cross for our salvation only need to continue to wash their feet is his example. But what he is showing, right, what, what is different about the feet compared to the rest of the body? And this is just the, the example that Jesus used. The feet touch the world, right? The, the feet are the part that gets dirty because it's in contact with the world. And so Jesus says, you've already been bathed, you've already been washed, you've already been cleansed, but your feet, the part of you that is connected and physically in touch with the world, needs to continue to be cleansed. Right? He's, he's saying, the part of you that is still connected to the world will continue to get dirty simply as a result of being in it, right? Our, our physical selves, our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviours, the, the, the parts of us that are still influenced and impacted by the world that we live in need to continually be washed and cleansed. But you don't need to wash your whole self because your spirit has already been saved. But the part of you that, that, that is still here that part you need to wash. That part you need to cleanse. That part you need to continue to take care of. You need to continually wash this part so that it does not stain you or spread further. So the feet, the, the, the part of the disciples that, is, that, that physically touched the world needed to continue to be cleansed. I, I, that, that, I, as I said, I, I read that and I was just like, there's something there. He who is bathed, or he who is cleansed need only wash his feet. He who has been saved need only wash his body 
need only confess the sins of the flesh because the spirit is already saved, right? But why? So that we can inherit the covenant promises of God that require our obedience in this area, okay? So our response to sin, or as Keith's been saying over the last few weeks, our response to dysfunction needs to be to continue to wash it from ourselves. And we do that by confessing it to God and allowing him to wash our feet, to wash away the things that attach themselves and dirty our, our, our mind, our thoughts that control our behaviors needs to be cleansed. And this is our obedience to the divine word and the divine will of God. And so again, the enemy loves to trap us in this thought. You can't confess your sin to God or you can't talk to anyone about it because you should already be perfect. You, you, you should already be sinless. He says that you need to hide this. You need to never speak of it to anyone and, and never take it to God because he will be disappointed in you. But the word of God says, if you will confess your sins, I will cleanse you of your sins. I'll wash you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, if you will. And so I want to ask you this question. How do you respond when you fall into sin? Or how do you respond when you fall into dysfunction? Do you respond with humility and reflection? taking ownership of our dysfunction, taking ownership of our mistakes? Or do you respond with pride and defiance, saying that we have no sin, or trying to hide that sin, therefore calling God a liar, and not being obedient to the covenant, with humility and reflection, or with pride and defiance? It's kind of... Either either, like you're responding one of two ways. You may not like to think of it as pride and defiance, but that's what it is because it's contrary to the word of God. It's not obedient to the, to the word, right? With humility and reflection or with pride and defiance. And it's important because our obedience to God's word is required for participation in the covenant. Our obedience to the word is required for our participation in the covenant. It's not a, if you want, it's, re- it's required for the blessing and the favor and the anointing and the power to touch the world. Spirit saved flesh needs to be washed. So how do you respond? You see, my, 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 my heart, and I know that Keith's heart as well, is to see all of us receive and live in these promises and, and, and to inherit the covenant promises of favor and that, that, that so much more will be yours and, and that everything good that God has will, will flow into our lives. That's, that's my heart, right? And, and that, that, that's, that's why I believe God has brought this again this morning and, and why he's led Keith to be talking about this because it does require our participation and it requires our obedience to the word. And so 
we're going to pray in just a moment. And I encourage all of you, okay, listen to the Holy Spirit. And if there is any sin or any dysfunction in your life, and it can be the tiniest thing, right? But even the tiniest thing in disobedience is disobedience. Right, so we, we need to we need to cleanse. We need to wash our feet of all this stuff. Okay, so we we're, we're going to pray, and I encourage you listen to the Holy Spirit. And if there's any of this in your life, do it now. Don't hold off. Don't say I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it later. I'll do it next week. I'll do it after I finished having fun later today. It's a like take the opportunity. Right, let's let's do it now. Okay, so I'm just going to pray. And as I said, just listen to the Holy Spirit. And if there's anything that he brings to mind, just confess it. You don't have to yell it out. You don't have to do anything like that. Just in your own mind, just confess it. So Father God, Lord, we, we, we thank you for your word and, and we thank you for your truth, Lord God. We thank you that you are faithful to the covenant promises that you have made for us and declared over us, Lord God. And Father, we want to come to you this morning in complete obedience to your divine word and to your divine will. And Lord, we want to bring before you every sin, every dysfunction, everything that is staining our feet, everything that is staining our physical bodies, every thought that is staining our minds, everything that is hindering us from experience the, compl- the, uh, the, the, the complete fulfillment of your covenant promises. Lord, we want to bring it before you this morning. And Jesus, we ask that you would wash our feet clean, that you would wash our physical bodies clean. Lord, we thank you that our spirit is already saved and that when our time comes, Lord God, we will enter your eternal kingdom. Our spirit will enter your eternal kingdom. But Lord, we want to be cleansed here on earth. We, 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 we want to take your name. And we want to take your word, Father God, and spread it across the earth like you've commanded us to, Father God. We desire, Lord, to bring glory and honor to you and to your name. And Father, we desire to be obedient to you and obedient to your word in every aspect. So I pray, Holy Spirit, bring to our minds now all of the little things perhaps even some of the big things that we're yet to confess because we're we're bought into the lie of the enemy. And bring them to our mind right now. And Holy Spirit, wash us clean. Just wash us clean, Lord God. Wash us clean, Holy Spirit. Just in your own head, just confess these things. If you want to say it out loud, do it, but confess these things. You see, the the blessings and the favor that are tied to the covenant aren't things that are far off. They're right there. 
He's just waiting for your obedience. He's just waiting for you to give Him your obedience. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, wash us clean. Jesus, wash us clean. Holy Spirit, wash us clean. Cleanse us, Lord God. Wash our feet so that we may be spotless and blameless before you. Father, that we may inherit the fullness of your covenant in our lives and that the people around us would see this and desire it for themselves, Lord God. That via our obedience, your truth, would spread from us to others. Lord, wash our feet. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And see, this is it's something that we need to continue to do. Right? It's, it's, it's done now and we're washed, but we need to wash ourselves continually. We need to wash our feet continually. And so just make it a part of your, your daily routine. Lord, wash my feet. Wash my feet, Lord. And just watch what God does. Right? Watch the blessing and the abundance and the favor flow as we're obedient to the covenant that God made with us. Awesome. Thanks, City. All right. Lord, we just thank you. We we love you, Lord, and we just pray that you would continue to do this great work in us, that the work that you have begun, we know that you will finish it, Lord God, and you will bring it to completion. Father, we honor you, and we thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. I pray, Lord, you bless everyone here as we go about our our Sunday afternoon and we step into what, what you've got for us next week, Lord God. I pray your blessing and your abundance and your favor upon everyone as we are obedient to your covenant Lord we we just love you Lord we love your word we love your presence and we thank you for what you've done and for what you've spoken to us today Lord we love you in Jesus name we pray